short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. Welcome back to the Cold War episode 2 million and 46. And some change. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Iran had everything possibly that could go wrong, was going wrong. It looked like the country itself may disintegrate. But like you said on the last episode, along comes a hero. And Iran, yes. Iran so far away. <laughs> Iran wish it could have Iran away from itself because the country is suffering at the end of the Great War. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong. It looks like the country itself may not uh, last for much longer because it looks like it's going to disintegrate, implode, explode. It doesn't matter, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because a hero comes along, a young, good-looking Ish man, very tall, very <laughs> distinguished looking. He is going to be the hero that this country mm. needs. Yeah. So uh, where we finished last time, it's 1921. Iran has been destroyed by troops uh, invading their country in World War One, which they weren't really part of. They declared neutrality. Um, famine, Spanish influenza uh, wipes out a tenth of their population in about Jeez. a year. Right. Uh, Britain has basically taken over the entire country. Yeah. It forced its will, partially because of oil, partially because it's part of their strategic plan to lock up the Middle East and their trade routes to India and all this kind of stuff. And then in 1921, a guy by the name of Reza emerges yeah. in yeah. Iran and basically takes over the country. Now, Reza later known as Reza Shah, wasn't related to the Qajar Shahs, no. the Qajari Shahs. Um, he was born in 1877 to a soldiering family from the mm. remote regions up near the Russian border. Right. Both his father and grandfather had served in the Qajar army, and his father died while he was still a baby, Aww. so his mother took him to Tehran where she lived with her brothers. One of them was a soldier in the newly established Cossack division. Yes. He lost his mother at the age of six. Damn. And so his childhood was filled with neglect, virtually yeah. no education, and when he was a teenager he left to join the military. But right. instead of joining the private army of a local chief, he went and joined the Cossack brigade where his uncle was able to put in a good word for him. Now, we've yeah. talked about them in a previous episode, established by the Russians, basically the Imperial Guard, modern, disciplined, well-commanded, uh, basically the Imperial Guard of the kings and visiting fo foreign dignitaries like the Tsar was like, if I'm going to send my people down to <laughs> Iran, yeah, right. I want to make sure that somebody's They're looking safe. after them, basically. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, someone I can trust with a gun, yeah. So th this young boy, man, whatever you want to call him, teenager, normally if everything had been normal in his life, he would, like you said, he would have joined a local chief, he would have spent his life doing that, he would have grown old, got married, had kids, and died. But no, fate has something different in mind for this guy. When he does join the Cossacks, because he's 16, he's a stable boy. But he works really hard. He works his way up. And he's been around these soldiers for most of his life. Like you said, his mother brought him to Tehran. And there was a friend or an uncle who was a part of it. So he, he knows these people and they know him very well. He spends all his days working really hard in the stable. The only thing he says is, as you wish, which we all know is the path to, uh, to leadership. Uh, so he grows up. He goes up the ladder in rank. But he also goes up literally because this guy ends up being like six foot four which is impressive because I'm only 4'6", so he's got that going for him. But his life could have easily have been nothing, and it's going to turn out to be someone who affects the world stage. And very few people besides his podcasters can say that. You know, um, his in his um, application interview uh, right. to, to join the uh, Cossacks, this is yeah. what he was told by the commander mm. of the Cossack Brigade. Yeah. 
I need a stable of young men to come behind me. Come, come. I need a stable of young men to come behind me. I need a stable of young men to come behind me. I need a stable of young men to come behind me. I need a stable of young men to come behind me. Come, 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 come. That. Oh. That recording, ironically enough, is actually longer than most of my lovemaking sessions. So it's kind of a hit and miss for me whenever I hear that. You know what I'm saying? It's like a good and a bad at the same time. <laughs> this has an happy ending. I'm coming. <laughs> they all have a happy. I am consistently happy at the end of. And that's hot. <laughs> The anus is now closed. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot for me. I can't wait for these gummies to kick in. I've had enough <laughs> of this shit. Black Brother. Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Reza Shah will go on to have his own song. Most people don't know this. You know the song, but you don't know it's inspired by him. Uh, I can give you the verse or I can give you the chorus, whatever you'd like. But um, where have all the good men gone? Where are all the gods where are the streetwise Hercules to fight the rising odds? Isn't there a white knight upon a fiery steed? Late at night, I toss and turn. Whoa, this is getting personal. And I dream of what I need. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. That song, it's better in the original Persian, but that, that, that's, it was inspired by him. Nailed it. Okay, where were we? My name is Reza. Yeah. Um, so Reza joins as a stable boy, but quickly begins rising through the ranks. In 1911, he was promoted to first lieutenant. By nice. 1912, he was the captain. By 1915, he became a colonel. And God on the 14th dang. of January 1921, right. the commander of the British forces in Iran, General Edmund Tiny Ironside. Oh, Promoted Reza, who had been leading up until that point the Tabriz Battalion, to -hmm. lead the entire Cossack Brigade. Now, he was 43 at the time. Right. And he had travelled all around the country with the Cossacks. Yes. Had been involved in lots of operations against gangs, bandits, separatists. Had developed a reputation of being good with a gun, good with a sword. Um, Like the Turk and the Godfather, he's good with a knife. And... He, like yeah. most of the, the Iranians in this time, were kind of disgusted with the Qajar Shahs, the yeah. weak, ineffective Shahs that had allowed the, the British to take control of the entire country. But at this point, the British were kind of disgusted with the Shahs as well, and they yeah. had hatched a plan to take control of the Cossacks Right. Get rid of the Russian officers. Please. And use them to lead a palace coup. Yeah. Now, I'm sort of surprised this hadn't happened earlier. I mean, the the Russians had uh, walked out of Iran in 1917 when the Bolsheviks took over the country, but they had left uh, their, their guys in charge of the Cossacks. The British yeah. have tolerated this, I think, waiting to make their move, and they're figuring out how they're going to do that, and somehow they managed to get Reza in control of the whole operation. Yeah. They needed someone who hated the Shah as much as the they did and who wanted to um, help them take control even further of the country. I mean, the British had already basically stitched the entire country up, but they wanted to go a step further. They wanted yeah. to put their man in the big Literally. seat yeah. so they didn't have to deal with the Shah uh, anymore. And they could kind of sense, I think, that whilst the Qajar Shahs were still involved in the country, the mm-hmm. people of Iran were, weren't going to be happy. Yeah, ready Now, to this walk is away. apparently the plan of the British minister in Tehran, a guy by the name of Herman Norman. Mm-hmm. Uh, try saying that five times fast. <laughs> Two first names, right? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Go on, say it five oh, times fast. Herman, Herman Norman, Herman Norman, Herman Norman, Herman Norman, Herman Norman, Herman Norman. 
but I've been Good practicing because I knew you were going to mm. ask. Can I ask a yeah. quick question before you go on? And if you and if you didn't come across this in your readings, that's fine. I know that Reza, like you said, he traveled a lot all around his country. And if you look at a map, I mean, Iran's a pretty fucking big country. But anyway, so he's traveling around. He's seeing the gangs. He's seeing the breakdown of everyday life. And, you know, he's fighting. And so when he's disgusted by the Shah... I don't want to give him too much credit. I don't want to say, oh, I'm this nationalist person. I love my country and you're doing a bad job. I want to get rid of you. It could have been that. It could have been a part of that. It could have been a part of his military training. You know, this is very inefficient to have all this corruption. But however or whyever or whatever it's based on, yeah, I think he's equal, like like the people, like you just said, he's equally disgusted with the Shah, his lack of uh uh, better leadership doing actually doing something for the people versus just having a good time with his hundreds of wives and 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 milking the country dry and so yeah he is a firebrand he's see the thing about him is even though he's almost illiterate he understands Iranian politics because he's had his feet on the ground traveling all over the place so this guy knows he knows the lay of the land literally and he understands the politics even though he can't read very well he is a sharp cookie. And he's very, very brave. And the and the British are going to use that. I've never understood the appeal of a sharp cookie. I don't yeah. want a sharp cookie. I want I, a... Uh, unless you're going to dip it in your milk. Uh, no, I got nothing. But it's soft on the inside I, cookie. Yeah. Like, you got a little bit of firmness on the outside so it doesn't fall right. apart when you pick right. it up. But, but when you, you bite gooey, into it, you want to sink your teeth in the middle, soft. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I would think one sharp cookie would have taken care of the cookie monster's career forever, but I don't think he was ever exposed to one. But that's that's a different kind of history. That's on the other late night podcast. We don't we don't have to go into that now. Mm, mm, mm. So where were we? Sorry. Um, do you know what Herman Norman's middle name was? Oh God, um, Levinson. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. What was his middle name? Herman Cameron Norman. Oh, oh. He should have went by say Cameron. That five times fast? No. Herman no. Cameron Norman, Herman Cameron Norman, no. Herman Cameron Norman, Herman Cameron Norman, Herman Cameron Norman. What most people Herman don't know Norman, is that Norman. if you say the C word three times, you'll appear in their dreams. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I mean, I dream about you all the time, but that's a whole uh, different context we'll go uh, into later. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> I Where fucking knew it. I fucking <laughs> knew it the whole time. <laughs> but go ahead. Go ahead. Pull down your pants. <laughs> I'm not really into jabby jabby. <laughs> I don't think I could take anything to my penis. I can do it all day long. <laughs> you know, I think I peaked a couple of years ago, and it's just yeah. all yeah. downhill all from here. Oh well, yeah. can't have everything. The British is uh, the British candidate for a new guy to run the country. Yeah, <clears throat> not as Shah, but as Prime Minister. Right, was an ex-journalist called Syed Zia Tabatabai. Sure. Now. Sure. He was uh, known for his tabby, tabby cat. Yeah, his (laughs) he was known for his pro-British sentiments. That's a coincidence. He's about the only Iranian journalist who consistently advocated the benefits of the British being involved in the country. He's like, listen, (laughs) you know what? Say what you want. Yes. Yeah. It's a good thing. We need the British. We like we don't even deserve. (laughs) <laughs> how good the British are. You know, imagine, we get the British to run it. They fucking won World War One. Like, yeah. They, they yeah. are the greatest people. We we want them on we the do. wall. We what? need them on the wall. What have the Russians done for us, you know? Yeah. So fuck them. Let's go with the British. So, so it's a coincidence it's, that the British are like, let's tap this guy. Well, some historians think that he may have tapped himself. Oh, hey, I do that all the time. A, yeah, it's a good Sorry. trick if you can pull it off. Yeah, I, <laughs> poor power to you. Uh, <laughs> I've signed a contract with the British. Now I just need to yeah. get them to sign it. Oh, I'm hard. <laughs> Where were we? 
I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I stand Get by your that. finger off that. <laughs> Don't. I can't. He may have tapped himself. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, to lead a coup uh, for the British in right. Tehran. So anyway, the British oh. approach Reza to see if he would be willing to lead the military um, ah. of an insurrection. Two problems. Now, this yeah. reminds me so much of Napoleon. Right. Um, for those of you who haven't heard the Napoleon show or Shame seen Ridley you. Scott's film yet, because right. it isn't out, um, <laughs> what happened, uh, you know, uh, uh, in France, there was these, uh, after the French Revolution, there was a series of administrations, the directorate, yeah. and they, you know, a lot of infighting, a lot of factionalism. They, a, a group of guys, lawyers, basically decide they want to overthrow the existing mm-hmm. directorate, um, and they approach Napoleon, who was a general, about being the military. Right. Would you support us militarily? Oh, he goes, sure, sure, for the sure, good of sure. France, for the good of yeah. France, yeah, for the good of yeah. France. <laughs> And five minutes later, Napoleon's running France and <laughs> these guys are all gone. Now, I right. think Reza, Reza was up on his Napoleonic history. Yes. Because he was he like, sure, audiobook. sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll lead an interaction for you. Yeah, yeah I'll lead yeah. it so for you. I'm I'll take my army yes. yeah, and I'll lead it for you. Yes. And the British apparently paid him a lot of money uh, yeah. to do it, him and his troops. He had never even met. Tabby Cat up until this point. Uh, I've heard good things about you, sir. Yeah. But on February 20th, 1921, Reza and a few officers marched 2,000 men to the outskirts of Tehran, yes. where Reza gave a very Napoleonic speech. Fellow <laughs> soldiers, you have offered every possible sacrifice in the defense of the land of your fathers. But we have to confess that our loyalty has served merely to preserve the interests of a handful of traitors in the capital. These <clears throat> insignificant men are the same treacherous elements who have sucked the last drop of the nation's blood. Yes. If anybody's going to suck, it's going to be us. Wait a minute. I heard. I just heard that out loud for the first time. Anyway, to your stations, men. I don't know. I'm not sucking nothing. <laughs> Clearly, that's not true because I got the job. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> the next morning, they arrested the prime minister and every member of the cabinet. Oh, damn. And then they made two demands to the Shah Zia, mm-hmm. Tabby Cat, must be right. made prime minister. Sounds right. And Reza must be made the minister of war. Oh, Oh, so he's going to literally control the Cossack Brigade and all the other forces, such as they are, in the country. And the Shah didn't have much of a choice. The British had pulled off uh, another coup. I mean, they basically already ran the country, but now they even more ran it. Tighter grip on the, yeah. Now yeah. now that now that Reza's got literally the military in his hand, he sends out parts of the Cossack regiments to subdue tribes who not so much are bad guys, but maybe they're not going along with the new prime minister, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but the point is, is that Tabby Cat is going to have a long, illustrious reign and he's going to do amazing things for mm-hmm. the country with uh, Reza right by his side. Right, Cam? Yeah, a very long reign. Tabby Cat's going to have days, <laughs> days and days. He's going to be in a position day upon of power. day, Bobby. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> Within hours of taking power, the new government declared martial law. Yeah. All the residents of the city of Tehran must keep quiet. The state of right. siege is established. All newspapers and prints will be stopped. Public meetings in the houses and in different places are stopped. All shops where wines and spirits are sold, as well as theatres, cinemas and clubs where gambling goes on, must be closed. Wow. They arrested about 400 rich people and aristocrats who had inherited wealth and power over the previous 10 to 20 years while the rest of the country was experiencing poverty and famine. Um, And so they basically just took over, got rid of all the rich people. According to Tabby Cat, these few hundred nobles who hold the reins of power by inheritance sucked 
leech like the blood of the people. Oh, it's a lot of sucking. Getting horny yeah. there for a second. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> then he took a turn. Yeah. So, yeah, he kind of, yeah, it was this, then it was, yeah, that's just not a good sucking. No, noise, no, you know, no. And normally there's not much sucking that I don't like. And but it's I, not hot. I want to make not, that clear. It's not hot. So, Reza. Yeah. <laughs> Reza, to his credit, does not just walk up and shoot Tabby Cat. That's uncouth. He's a he's a minister now. He says, look, I think it would be best for your health uh, and your continued breathing. Uh, if you just go leave the country, I just yeah. I don't care where you go. Just you just you need one way ticket. You need to go now while you can. And he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but before that happens. Yes. Sorry. Uh, about. Uh, five days after the coup five happens, right, right. Uh, there was the signing of the treaty in Moscow. Even though the the Bolsheviks had uh, pulled out um, mm -hmm. and wiped their dick on the curtains in 1917, <laughs> who doesn't? And Iran was one of the first countries in the world to recognize the Bolshevik regime in 1918. Right. They signed a formal treaty between mm. the two countries five days after the coup. Right now. This was a 26-article treaty, My remained God. in effect until the Islamic Republic happened in 1979. Right. But it reaffirmed the Soviets' renunciation of Russian imperial concessions, economic interests, and unpaid loans. It recognized Iran's full sovereignty, called for non-intervention in eternal affairs, recognized existing boundaries, called for resolving border disputes through negotiation. Mm. But... In turn, right. it had this one unique concession for the Soviet Union. It had the right to intervene militarily in Iran in the case Iran was threatened by a third party, in effect, uh, you know, reaffirming what they had had in place since the days of the Tsars, and obviously right. it's a reference to Britain. The, the treaty said the following, if a third party should attempt to carry out a policy of usurpation, Right. by means of armed intervention in Persia, or if such power should desire to use Persian territory as a base of operations against Russia, Britain. and if the Persian government should not be able to put a stop to such menace, Britain. Russia shall have the right to advance her troops into the Persian interior for the purpose of carrying out the military operation necessary for its defiance. So, hold on a second. The British yeah. just organised a coup... Right. And then five days later, yeah. the guys who ran the coup sign a treaty with Russia saying Russia can get involved to get rid of Britain. Yeah. That's that's not how Odd. we plan this thing out, right? Yeah, no. So either one, the British didn't know about it, which I find very hard to believe, or two, maybe thinking, yeah, yeah, those are things you say. Those are things you sign. This country is ours now. That would be my guess, but it's only a guess. Well, I think the 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 history tends to show that Herman Cameron Norman right put this together without the knowledge <gasps> of the the home country apparently. I like that because Lord Curzon right called him back from Tehran immediately after this happened, mm -hmm. refused to meet with him, mm. and forced him to retire. From the civil service at age fifty-two, so, so was pissed. The, yes, the suggestion yeah. is that Norman thought, you know, what would be fun if we pulled a coup, <laughs> and then it immediately backfired on Britain, yeah, right? And uh, yeah, it's a double it, screw. He, he lost his job. Yeah, yeah, it's a two. -prong. So within a hundred days of the yes. coup, Reza manages to force. Tabby Cat into exile. Right. Tabby then, Cat gets made yeah, prime minister yeah. in a coup, and within 100 days, he's gone. Again, very much right. like Napoleon did right. uh, after well, his coup in France you, a couple you, hundred years earlier. you got to strike while the iron's hot, and you also have to strike while the Shah is young because Reza is not done. That rhymed, but that was unplanned. I apologize. Zia, Sayed Zia, Tabi Tabi Tabi, gets, uh, <laughs> goes into exile first in Palestine under the British mandate. 
right? Where he would res- remain for the next sort of 20 years. He sold Persian rugs in Europe. Uh-huh. Became the Secretary General of the World Islamic Congress in Jerusalem in 1931. Not bad. Became obsessed with the health benefits of alfalfa. Here we go. And wrote a cookbook about it. <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. Projector, trajectory. I was a prime minister, then I was a carpet seller, and then I'm a food author. From journalist to prime minister to <laughs> food minister. blogger, yeah. Is that a is that an up? Is that a down? Is that like a up and down kind of like a? I, I don't oh, know. he's not over yet. In 1943, oh, he was right. invited back to Iran. Here we go. By the new Shah Reza. Right. But anyway, more on that later. Okay, good. In 1923, Reza got rid of the Shah as well. Yeah, he was sent to Europe for health reasons and. That's what he wanted to keep breathing. You want to keep breathing? Yeah. Get (laughs) the fuck out. You know what would be really good for your health? (laughs) Get the fuck out of the country. Breathe in, breathe out. Now, if you want to keep doing that, get the fuck out. Uh, So Reza is now the prime minister, the army commander, and the head of state, mostly because there's no one else there to challenge him. Well, not so fast. Not so fast. He's not so fast. He's not the head of state. Technically, officially. Right, right. He doesn't have the role. Gotcha. No, Shah's got a younger brother and there's, you know, remnants of the nobility and the mullahs and they're not exactly ready to hand over control. This is a country that's, again, never had a successful experiment with democracy. Right. They've, They've had a kingdom for centuries. They had the Shah's. They're not ready to make yeah. a big break with tradition yet. We get kingdom. We get that. Yeah. Reza was sort of a big fan of what uh, Ataturk had done in Turkey, setting up a republic. The religious classes, though, weren't very happy about that for the reasons we explained in the last episode. A little right. bit of freedom is okay. Too much freedom <laughs> means freedom of religion. We don't like that. Not cool. Not cool. God so, would not first like of all, up yeah. to this point, Reza had been Napoleon. Right. Now Uh-oh. he becomes Julius Caesar. Here we go. Right. In a way, he resigns all of his positions. Right. And he retires to a small village. Uh, he says, right. you know what? I don't want any more power. Right. Had Too enough. Much. You know, I've, I'm I've, unworthy. You know, I'm unworthy. I've, I'm unworthy. I Well, I, look, I've done, it's, it's a bit of a, a sulla, right? He goes, you know what? I've I, I I've done what I came here to do. Yeah, I fixed it. I, I fixed it. I fixed yeah. it. You yeah. know, taking care of important business. Right. Really, um, yeah. I think it's better for everybody if I just hang yeah. up my shield now. Right. My I want to go and meditate. Senator. Yes. Think yes. about the big questions in life. I want to be a philosopher, <laughs> uh, like Tiberius. I'm going to go right. and right. just catch fish. Feel, think about. Feel feel free to send your kids. Study my navel. To my yeah. camp, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I, mm. yeah, I'm not worthy. And he yeah. spent a year in self-imposed exile. Damn, I did not know it was a year. I thought it was like seven, eight minutes. I had no idea that he's playing the deep, long game. Deep that, game. That is yeah. the sign of a Caesar and/or a Napoleon. And he, he, but before he leaves, right, he, he left has a note. people obviously start right. a clap. We <laughs> want res. We want res. Bring back res. We Gotta have res. res. Yes. Res we or nothing. Res. <laughs> Resurrect the res. Resurrect the res. Have you seen my res lately? You know, I don't know how to say that in Iranian, but you know. And he has people on the payroll, we would yes. assume, yes. that start demanding, demanding. That he returns to take over. Remember, well, people who haven't listened to our Caesar show, shame oh, on you. Oh, the diadem. Um, but Julius Caesar had the same thing. Yes. He gets thrice offered the dictatorship, thrice the life. rejects it. Yes. Marcus Antonius is like, please, Caesar. Please, for the good of Rome. the power. Yes. For the good of Rome, we need you. For the good of- He's like, no, 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 <laughs> really. Yeah. I'm not the right man for the job. I don't no. want the job. I don't want the power. I'm happy being right. a humble soldier. I- 
that's Public really what I was born to do. Yeah, Public servant with a sword. You know, yeah. I'm not interested in the trappings and the responsibilities right. no. of power. Find someone or, else. But there is no one else, Caesar. We need you. Oh, fuck. Do I have Fine. to take the 1,700 women? I mean, I will, <laughs> but okay. Okay. So they convince so, him. Yeah. They convince Reza, but he keeps denying. He keeps turning it down. No, listen, I've yeah. told you before. Yes. Get yeah. away from my <laughs> small humble prayer. hut. Yeah, yeah. You're embarrassing I'm praying, yourself. I'm fishing. You're embarrassing yeah. yourself. Yeah, go away. But then Ahmed Shah, oh shit, announces he's going to return. Well, listen, what if, if he, he doesn't do? want it? I mean, somebody I, needs to. Yeah. I mean, I've done it before. I've got an impressive resume. I, I well, I'm not that impressive. Have, Let's be honest. I, I have a resume. Right. I have, but a I'm resume. better than nothing. <laughs> That's right. It's the same way that you sold yourself to your wife. Listen, <laughs> I may not be sure. much. Yeah, four foot six. Yeah, to four look millimeter at, dick or lick, but, but yeah, balding. But, yes, stocky. Yes. Yeah, but no, that was generous. Thank you. It's better than nothing. And she's like, "Where's it though?" They go, "Well, well." But why don't you find out? Why don't you marry me? Take about 25 years and think about it because she's going to leave me Listen, any day. Yeah. Yes, you can get a dildo. Yes, you can get a vibrator. But let me ask yeah. you this. Right. Will they kill snakes? Yeah, because no. I won't either, but I'm a, I'm a good guy. <laughs> and and, and um, Ahmed said, look, I've already got the Shaw outfit. I can just slide right in. I, I'm here. Yeah. I'm on my way. I'm going to buy a ticket today. I'm on my way. And so the Majlis didn't want Ahmed no, Shah back. Not, cool. uh, not that they had much power at this point anyway, but they pronounced the Qajar dynasty dead and buried yes. and offered the throne to Reza, which he regretfully <laughs> accepted. If this is what you want, then I yes. want you to have what you yeah. want. April 25th, I want you to be happy. Yes, I want you to want me. April 25th, 1926, he is proclaimed Reza Shah. And you have to admit, Cam, out of all of the names over the de- decade, whatever the fuck it's been, that's a pretty cool name. Reza Shah, that's pretty badass, I think. Well, he actually gives himself a new last name. Oh, um, good. They didn't really deal in last names in Iran before this. He gives right. himself the – they all come up with their own last names. He gives himself the last name of Pahlavi, mm-hmm. apparently named after the language that the Persians spoke before the Muslim conquest. I've, I've seen a couple of different like etymologies that. of this, but that like seems that. to be the official version of it. That's natural So he pride. becomes Reza Shah Pahlavi and mm-hmm. his son, Muhammad Reza Pahlavi, is proclaimed the new crown prince. Gotcha. All right. But what about the the British? There's this new young Shah. He's going to take on the British. He's going to kick their ass, kick them out of the country. Oh, wait a minute. Their interests mostly align, and Reza Shah knows who butters his bread. He knows how he got here. You can't forget that. You, you can't forget those who brought you to the party. Yeah, dance with the ones that brought you. Um, exactly. Yeah, look, they helped him get there, but he's already sort of sweetened up a deal with the Russians. Yeah. So the Russians are willing to step in and get involved if the British get out of line. He's got That's to balance yes. all of these interests. Yeah. But anyway, in the meantime, he's going to rule the country through terror. He also yeah. pushes through a lot of reforms. Uh, yes. To be fair to Reza Shah, he manages he – he's basically to. your classic Middle Eastern strongman at this point. He's your Saddam Hussein. Yes. He's your um, – not Bashar al-Assad, his father. What was his father, al-Assad? Oh. You remember? Begins with an F. Was it Frank, Fred, al-Assad? Freddy. Freddy. Fredalistic. <laughs> Frederick. Um, Frederina. Frederina. <laughs> But even though he might be a strong man, the country is so fucked up. He's Hafez. Hafez. Hafez there we Al-Assad. go. Yeah, yeah. He, he's going to be able to fix some things, even through strong-armed tactics. These are improvements for this country. You have to admit that. Well, not improvements for the people he burned alive. Um, 
the rest. Damn it, Cameron, the ones who were left unburned. I, I, I just assumed we were on the same page. There's a lot of these examples, but just to highlight a couple, in 1935, religious leaders called a protest against Reza's ban of the veil for women and his yeah. order that men wear build caps that would Uh-oh. prevent them from touching the floor with their foreheads during prayer. Got to do that. These religious leaders gathered hundreds of them um, in the mosque in Khorasan. Right. Uh, while they were gathered there, Reza ordered soldiers to storm the mosque and kill them all. Kill them. Kill them all. Wipe them out. What, what is that? hundred of yeah, them were killed. What is that uh, Chinese? And, te- uh, um, kill one to terrorize 10,000, something along those lines. But basically, you know, you get cruel a couple times, cruel to be kind, and the word gets out, and suddenly you don't have the problems that you had before because people are afraid to come out of their house. Yeah. Uh, another example, during a visit to a place called Hamadan in western right. Iran, right. Reza had learned that the people there were going hungry because the bakers were hoarding wheat Bastards. in order to drive up prices. Yeah. So he ordered the first baker he saw thrown into an oven and baked alive. That's how you do that. And then every, all the rest of the bakers had to gather around yeah. and eat uh, baker pie. And, no, I'm making that bit up. Thank but then, God. But that Thank other bit Christ. is supposedly true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the next morning, everybody was selling bread for a fourth of a price. They're like, I'll pay you to take my bread. Thank mm-hmm. you, sir. Please don't burn me. All right. Take care. That story, to be honest, sounds like a made-up story just to scare the bejesus out of children. But yeah. who knows? Did you tell us a couple of episodes again? I don't know if this is on the show or, again, I have many, many dreams about you. Uh, did you tell us one about when um, the British demanded that he use European engineers to build their bridges? I can't remember if you've already told that story. Well, I don't remember. It sounds familiar. Okay. So, my, so it could have been, but the, oh, but the thing... no, I know the story. No, we haven't told that, but yeah, you okay. go ahead and tell it. Yeah. Okay. Well, out of all the things that Reza Shah is going to do, um, one of the things that he's most proud of, that he's most excited about, is the rail lines going through his country. It, to have a rail line from one end to your country to the other, it's you know, it's a it's a it's a status symbol. It's a very functional thing. You're going to be able to bring food and everything else, and troops. Let's be honest. So so having a railroad is a big deal. Not only that, but he said this will not be financed in any way, shape, or form by foreign money. It's only going to be Iranian money. So this is a, this is a national pride thing for him. So anyways, so he gets the money or starts to get the money together and the British go, look, okay, you're, you're, you're pushing me, baby, but here's what we'll do. You go ahead and raise the money. Don't borrow money from us, but we insist that you use European engineers to build the rail line. And Reza's like, Okay, no, I, I can see that. I can see it. Tell you what, tell you what, I'll meet you halfway. I will let them build the the uh, rail line. I'll let them uh, build the bridges. However, when a bridge is done, the very first time a train goes over it, the engineer who designed and built that and his family and pet dog Toto have to stand under the bridge as the first train goes by. If you can give me that guarantee they can get to work. So there wasn't going to be a lot of shoddy shit work done by the Europeans who really don't care. They just want to get paid. That, if this story is true, because again, it's hard to tell, but if that's true, Reza is definitely striking out on his own and he's standing up to the people who helped him get this position. I just thought that was a great freaking story. And I kind of hope it's true. Yeah. So he... He builds lots of stuff apart from railroad lines, ports, hospitals, factories, highways, avenues, plazas, government buildings, schools for boys and girls. He wipes out gangs of bandits. He creates the country's first civil service and the first national army. Damn. Introduces the metric system, a modern calendar, the use of surnames, as I said before, civil marriage and divorce. Right. Restricted traditional clothing, forbade camel caravans to enter cities, establishes new legal codes, establishes a network of secular courts. He he goes full Napoleon. um, (laughs) Yes. His first 10 years. Sounds like he's going fully modern and fully almost Western to a degree, but he's trying to like Peter the great trying to hurry up and modernize this country. Cause it is very 
quickly being it's already behind everybody else. In 1935, he announced that he would no longer tolerate his country being referred to as Persia, right? name mostly used by foreigners, and insisted that they now call it Iran, the name that their own citizens used. Yeah. And he ordered that any mail coming from abroad addressed to Persia should be returned unopened to sender. I like that. And the part that you probably didn't read, because I had to, this is an obscure book. He actually walked around with a t-shirt on saying, it's Iran, bitch. So he was really getting the message out there. I think Brittany borrowed that from him. So yeah. So this, this to me, this is one of those things, because what we're going to find out later is that you might assume from everything that we've just said that he is bringing the people along, that he that he has made them fall in love with him and their country again, and, and, and they're proud to be Iranians, which is not exactly the case. He's pushing on the progress hard and fast, but he's not taking into consideration the people having to catch up emotionally, mentally, nationally. We're going to go into that later, but the point is he's going pell-mell. The country's moving forward, but there are some who are not happy. And I, we said this on a previous episode, in order to make these kind of intense changes that a lot of people don't want or they don't want this quickly, you got to bring down the hammer. And you've mentioned some of the hammer, and he, he keeps bringing down the hammer. He censors newspapers. Unions are forbidden. Opposition leaders are killed. I think you mentioned that. Or they're jailed or they're forced to leave the country. So he is doing a lot in a very short amount of time, and it's a huge whiplash for a lot of the people. Yeah, he forces the nomadic tribes to oh, move right. to like settlements, like Native yes. American settlements, where thousands Fuck. suffered and died. He wanted to wipe them out. He didn't see that, didn't think What's that the they point? were compatible with a, a modern yeah. state. Yeah. He, you know, he tries to do like he's not a, a communist, but he tries to do what you know Stalin was trying to do in the yeah. same time. You know, Absolutely. Hitler. Modernized. He's trying to modernize the country quickly because for the same reasons that I've talked about Stalin doing it in the past, Lenin and Stalin, mm -hmm. they, they, they took over a country that was backwards compared yes. to the West. Yes. Uh, low levels of education, low levels of industrial uh, mm -hmm. infrastructure, low, you know, low level of uh, financial economic uh, infrastructure, the inability to defend themselves against stronger powers That's who had been oppressing one. them for a long time. Right. And he knew, as Stalin knew, as, as Hitler knew, as uh, Castro knew, as Ho Chi Minh knew, that the only way to be independent mm -hmm. as a nation and to be able to fend off foreign powers was to quickly catch up and be able to defend yourself militarily, economically right. uh, against these foreign powers who are trying to rape and pillage your country. Yeah. So he does similar things. Um, a lot of progress, but also, you know, at, at the cost of social stability and at the cost of also pissing off a lot of people. And he also yeah. became extremely wealthy by extracting bribes from foreign businesses uh, that he allowed to stay in the country, right. extorting money from tribal leaders, and confiscated so much land <laughs> that at the peak of his power, he personally yeah. was the country's largest landowner. Yeah. Wow, uh, me? One, oh, thank you. One member Sorry. of British Parliament said Reza Shah eliminated all the thieves and bandits in Iran and made his countrymen realise that henceforth there would be only one thief in Iran. <laughs> and, and, and as crazy as all this sounds, it's about to get a lot worse because for all of the things that he's pushing, progress across the board, in 1934, he goes to Turkey and he meets with that leader and taking a tour of the country. They get along fine enough, but looking around Turkey, he's like, oh my God, I was patting myself on the back. I thought I was doing something. Turkey is advancing faster than we are. They are, they are more modern than we are. What does he do? He goes home and he redoubles his efforts, again, without thinking about the national consensus or the national psyche. The people are just not really sure what to do. But again, you do not defy him, or you may at the very least end up landless. You might end up dead. So he's doing it, but he's doing it quickly and roughly. Don't you dare say a word to that. Uh, 
that came out before I was ready. And don't respond to that either, okay? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have so much work in the editing room. <laughs> the point is he's, he's got the pedal to the metal. And why did he do all of this? So he can be the princeps. Yeah. <laughs> when in Rome. Rome only. Ooh, when in Rome, good baby. move. Now, he's inspired by what he saw Hitler and Mussolini and Franco doing. He loves the fascists. Yes. yes. They're purifying their weak countries, um, mm-hmm. making them forces to be recognized on the international stage. Respect. And like those guys, he launches a campaign to obliterate the yeah. idea of minority groups, especially yeah. Kurds and Azeris. He establishes a society for public guidance to glorify himself. Um, Basically, yeah, yeah, he basically tries to build himself as the the Fuhrer of Iran. Exactly, exactly. The um, head of the Hitler Youth, Balder von Schirach, (laughs) led a procession of Nazi dignitaries to Iran they spoke glowingly of the German-Iranian alliance that was emerging. Mm. One of the Shah's newspapers declared, the cardinal goal of the German nation is to attain its past glories by promoting national pride, creating a hatred of foreigners, and preventing Jews and foreigners from embezzlement and treason. Our goals are certainly the same. Yes. And, that and last like... Part... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go no, that last part, our goals are certainly the same. That came from the Shaw's newspaper. So uh, he basically agrees with the leader of the Hitler Youth. We're trying to keep out foreigners. We're trying to keep out treason. I don't know if he really cares about the Jew part, but yeah, no, there's a lot There's a lot of aligning going on. And like Hitler, he hated the British and the Russians. Who now, doesn't? when World War II broke out, Iran mm-hmm. again declared neutrality, but like in World War One, they yeah. kind of favored yeah. the Germans a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And like in World War One, the Western leaders were worried that the Germans would use Iran as a platform. Russians were scared that they'd use a platform to attack the Soviet Union. Right. And the British were still worried that it would interfere with their access to India and their other um, protectorates, et cetera, et cetera. So to prevent the Germans from getting control of Iran in August, on August 25th, 1941, again, British and Soviet troops (laughs) entered Iran. Yes. Without asking. Uh, Yeah. So, and and of course, one of my favorite things is, uh, because the British, they drop leaflets. Leaflets, uh, British love to drop leaflets. A leaflet says, we have decided that the Germans must go. And if Iran will not deport them, then the English and the Russians will. And you have to remember the reason uh, August 25th, 1941 is so important. is One of the re- main reasons this was done was that Barbarossa had just gotten started and Stalin was losing, you know, th- hundreds of miles of territory every day. The last thing he needed was, uh, you know, an attack from the South because he wouldn't have been able to do much about it. And so the British and the Russians go in, but it's the Iranians who are paying the price because, like you said, when you have thousands of troops there, they're eating the food, they're taking over everything. And so, again, this is another low point for the Iranian people. And of course, by this point, Churchill and Stalin have met. They've hatched their plans to partner up. The Americans yeah. still aren't, you know, technically involved in right. World War II, won't get involved until the end of the year. So the British and the Soviets are working together to take over Iran yet again. Their planes drop leaflets all over Tehran saying, we have decided that the Germans must go, and if Iran will not deport them, then the English and the Russians will. We got this. Reza, who spent the last 16-odd years, 20 years really, Mm -hmm. since the coup, trying to get Iran up to speed so it can defend itself against now, this kind of yes. invasion. Yeah. There was, as, as Don Corleone says to Michael, there just wasn't enough time, Michael. There just yeah. wasn't enough time. And exactly right. uh, he abdicated on September 16th, 1941. The next day, yeah. his elder son, 21-year-old Mohammed Reza, 
was yeah. sworn in to succeed him. Right. No more was heard from Reza, who died in Johannesburg three years later. And when World War II ended, the Iranians wanted a new kind of leader. And that mm-hmm. is where we'll end this episode. We'll be back next time with democracy in Iran. Democracy finally comes to Iran, briefly. <laughs> descended across the continent. buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. 